Donald Trump puts out a statement demanding the Constitution be terminated, and Republicans seem to support it. Republican leader Kevin McCarthy says the GOP will now go after Facebook and Google and other private companies during the next congressional term because Twitter did not post Hunter Biden genital photographs in October 2020. What is going on? The Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg brings on a new top prosecutor into the DA's office to investigate Donald Trump's crimes, injecting new life back into those criminal investigations. And Rudy Giuliani appeared before a Washington, D.C. legal disciplinary panel seeking to revoke his law license for his participation in frivolous lawsuits in the 2020 election. And as always is the case with Rudy, things got weird. He wore like three different watches. <laughs> Oh man, oral arguments took place in the oral arguments took place in the Supreme Court on Monday in a case involving a Colorado company that makes websites for weddings but refuses to make websites for LGBTQ+ weddings and the radical right-wing justices on the Supreme Court just seem okay and unfazed by this discrimination by this company will break down what transpired during oral arguments and the Georgia Senate runoffs will take place on Tuesday, December 6th, which as of the day of this live recording, we are just one day away from those runoffs. So you can vote for Senator Raphael Warnock, who not only is sane, but is a great candidate, or the MAGA Republican Herschel Walker, who doesn't even seem to know the position that he's running for. I, I actually think he's running. He thinks he thinks he's running for the House of Representatives. He said yeah. he's running for the House. And gas prices are falling rapidly in the United States. Surprise, surprise. After the midterm elections and the collusion with foreign powers uh, stopped, the uh, prices went down. This and so much more to cover on the Midas Touch podcast. Brett, sometimes when I talk about these topics at the outset, I say we are not living in a simulation, but we have a situation where the leader of the Republican Party calls for the termination of the Constitution. This is the Constitution. Kevin McCarthy goes, we are going to read each and every word of it. Meanwhile, the leader saying we should terminate the Constitution, all rules and laws and regulations. Brett, what in the world? I don't know. It's like, you know, Jordy, by the way, for people who didn't listen to the last episode, Jordy is on his honeymoon. That's why he's not here. We didn't kick him off the show. So don't worry, we miss him very much. But as Jordy would say, I'm going to channel Jordy here. Every time you read these headlines, it sounds like MAGA bad lips. We just live in the most bizarre universe where all these stories come in and you're like, what the heck is going on? And these MAGA Republicans with Kevin McCarthy being just the weakest of them all, so desperate for power and to be the leader, trying to gaslight, lie to the American public at every turn, trying to just make everything a show. Everything is just a show with them. It's a WWE style show. Horrible and so show. It, it, the, the worst show, no, a show that nobody <laughs> wants to watch, but you have McCarthy 
just what was it last week or two weeks ago saying, and we as the Congress, we are going to actually read the Constitution on the floor. You know, they did this stunt before and they always end up leaving out parts of the Constitution that they don't like when they read it. Did you even know that, Ben? Like last time they left out parts about slavery from the Constitution. They left that out completely when they were reading the Constitution. They like to like hide parts of the Constitution, Brett, is way too woke there. I mean, how dare the how dare the Constitution address like the 13th Amendment and the 14th Amendment? Every other amendment, Brett, for the Republicans, other than the Second Amendment, is just too freaking woke. Okay. Yeah. Well, 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 the part that they refused to read, the thing that they didn't want to read was the three-fifths clause that said that black Americans were counted as three-fifths of a person in the original constitution. They wanted to hide that part of history the same way they want to ban part of our history textbooks and not tell people the truth about what happened in American history. We should teach all parts of American history, the good and the bad. I wonder this time if Kevin McCarthy, when he reads it, if he will take the part about what happens to people who engage in insurrections. Let's look forward to what, what he's going to do when he reaches that part. But at this moment, with Donald Trump's recent statement, it seems like McCarthy is actually reading the Constitution as sort of a farewell address because Donald Trump explicitly, and there is no room for any other interpretation whatsoever, Donald Trump explicitly called for the termination of the Constitution. And yes, he used the word terminate, not suspend, as I've seen many reporters say he wanted to suspend the which, Constitution. Which, by the way, would be bad too. Which that would be bad in and of itself. <laughs> But he went one step further than suspending and said he wanted to terminate the Constitution. I will read it for you here word for word so you don't think that I'm putting words in his mouth or his truth social account, I guess, in this. Because, yes, it is in writing. Uh, you know, he says a bunch of stuff about massive and widespread fraud and deception. And then this is the line. A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles even those found in the Constitution. He specifically made sure to let people know that he was talking about the Constitution here. He didn't have to include that line. Our great quote founders, I don't know why he puts quotes around founders. It's a uh, weird, he does weird uh, capitalizations, weird quotes, I don't know. Our great quote founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections. So, you know, the fallout from that was immediate. You know, you you can't be really you can't be an american and make statements like that let alone someone who was an elected official who's sworn to uphold and defend the constitution so when you have a moment like that what you would hope is you would hope that us as all americans could come together and say this very simple fact listen I don't think we should terminate the Constitution, okay? That's not what we do in this country. We support the rule of law. We want to make changes to the Constitution. We got process for that. We got things called amendments. You could, you could do that. Terminate the Constitution? Absolutely not. That right there is a sign of a dictator of a fascist, and you need to condemn it and call it out forcefully as we do, forcefully like the Democrats did. But these Republicans, man, they cowered. They make every excuse. It's back to the Trump days of, oh, I didn't see the tweet. Well, perhaps there was another context for it that may be. No, there's no context. 
This issue is black and white. There is no both sides to it, folks. And that's why here at the Midas Touch Network, we don't both sides this sort of thing. Some things, there is a truth and there is a lie. The truth here is that Donald Trump said that he wants to terminate the Constitution. He is an authoritarian. And anybody who cares about this country needs to call it out loudly. So Ben, what happened next in this saga of the Trump termination of the Constitution? Well, some of the MAGA Republicans went on the media networks over the weekends because they wanted to talk about their agenda of going after Facebook and Google and YouTube and everyone else. But they were asked the questions, well, what do you think about Trump saying he wants to terminate the Constitution? And would you support Feels a, like a layup? Would you support a Republican nominee for president who wants to terminate the Constitution? Would you support that? Beyond the layup, the easiest question to answer, right? I absolutely would not support someone who wants to terminate the Constitution. We condemn in the harshest terms. But this was MAGA Republican Dave Joyce of Ohio, who I should add before being a member of Congress was a prosecutor. That was Dave Joyce's job. He was a prosecutor Jeez. before becoming a member of Congress. And he went on the George Stephanopoulos show. I give George Stephanopoulos credit for pushing on the issue. Stephanopoulos should have used the word termination and not suspension. Um, but the same point is made. Can we play, Brett, this interview over the weekend of MAGA Republican Dave Joyce being asked by George Stephanopoulos if he would still support Trump or a Republican candidate who believes in terminating the Constitution? Donald Trump was your nominee in 2016 and 2020. You voted for him mm -hmm. in 2016 and 2020. Now he's talking about suspending the Constitution. Can you support a candidate in 2024 who's for suspending the Constitution? Well, again, it, it's early. I think there's going to be a lot of people in the primary. I think at the end of the day, uh, you will say uh, whoever the Republicans end up pick, I'll fall in behind because that's even if it's Donald Trump and he's called for suspending the Constitution. Well, again, I think it's going to be a big field. I don't think Donald Trump's going to clear out the field like he did in the six. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking you if he's the nominee, will you support him? Uh, I will support whoever the Republican nominee is. And I just don't think that at this point he'll be able to get there because I think there's a lot of other good quality candidates out there. That's a remarkable statement. You just, you'd support a candidate who's come out for suspending the Constitution? Well, you know, he, he says a lot of things. Uh, you have to take him in context. And right now, oh my gosh, uh, I have to worry about making sure it's a Republican governance group and a Republican majority that we make things work for American people. And I can't be uh, really chasing every one of these crazy statements that come out about from any of these candidates at the moment. But but that's an extraordinary statement. You can't come out against someone who's for suspending the Constitution? Well, first off, it has no ability to suspend the Constitution. Secondly, but he says he's for it. Well, you know, he says a lot of things, that, uh, but that doesn't mean that it's ever going to happen. So you got to accept uh, exact fact from fantasy. And fantasy is that the, we're going to suspend the Constitution and go backwards. We're moving forward, and we're going to continue to move forward as a Republican majority and as a, a Republican conference. I don't see how you can move forward if your candidate is for suspending the Constitution, but thank you for your time this morning. What an absolute coward. Oh, my gosh. We noticed what he said, too. He kind of slipped in. We just got to focus on making things work for the American people. How are you going to make things work for the American people if you support someone who wants to terminate the Constitution? And, Brett, play the clip recently. It's of Kansas Senator Roger Marshall, uh, who's being asked and is just kind of like trying to avoid 
answering the question. I mean, just so cowardly. Can we play that clip? I know it just happened recently. Yeah, I don't know if that's being taken out of context or what it, where it came from. I really uh, just have not taken a deep dive into that whole topic. And I, I just think there's so many more important. Why, why are we talking to Joe Biden about why? Why are we setting American energy free? Why are we talking about allowing more drilling going on? Why are we talking about securing the border? That's what we should be talking about. All right. Senator, thank you. Thank you. And then he, he runs was, away. He ran away. Why are we talking about Hunter Biden's dick pics some more? Huh? Like the real issues yeah. that Americans are caring about, everybody. Let's talk about drilling. There's more drilling now than ever, but we're just going to just say the word drilling and hope that people just don't actually get the real knowledge, even though there's more drilling. We just want to drill in all of the wrong places. Like we don't care that the drilling's taking place like in the right places. Let's just drill in like locations that purposefully screw people over because that's what we do as like machismo Republicans. That's what that's what we got to do because. I haven't really taken a deep dive into the issue. The issue of <laughs> condemning <laughs> condemning people who want to terminate the United States Constitution. Doesn't exactly take a deep dive. <laughs> <laughs> like this is what he did. This is what they've done with all of their with all of Trump's tweets throughout the past few years. They just go, oh, I can't just follow everything that he says. I can't follow every little thing. You know what? It's actually your job to do so. And especially when a former president of the United States says to terminate the Constitution, and you have sworn an oath to protect and defend the constitution of the united states of america yeah i would say that's exactly in your purview and it's not like a hypothetical thing where he just says crazy stuff but doesn't take crazy actions like the building that you're speaking <laughs> in was invaded during an insurrection by people who were trying to kill you who were literally attacking and trying to kill police officers who point. were who were taking their feces and throwing it everywhere because Donald Trump said, we're going to the Capitol. He's someone who literally tried to overthrow the democracy, our democracy. We're like, well, he just says things. He also does things too. And he's out there too. Over the weekend, or, or was it end of last week, he spoke, this was after the Oath Keepers were found, uh, the leaders were found guilty. He spoke at like a conference for the January 6th insurrectionist where their families were there calling them political prisoners. And Donald Trump gave a pre-recorded keynote speech in favor of the defendants. Like people who pled guilty for trying to kill police officers, Donald Trump is saying, well, this is the biggest travesty that this happened to you. Uh, this has been politicized. Like these people pled guilty to trying to kill a police officer, like the one guy whose family was there, um, Albuquerque Head. Like Al Head grabbed uh, Officer Fanone, the Metropolitan Police Officer, and said, I got one, dragged him out of the terrace where he was tased and had a heart attack and almost died because of, of this guy, Al Head, whose family was at this event. And Trump gives a speech there and says that he's a political prisoner who pled guilty. And this is, by the way, so this was Trump's statement um, today in response to his previous statement calling for the termination, where he goes, the fake news is actually trying to convince the American people that I said I wanted to, quote, terminate. He puts it in quotes, the Constitution. This is simply more disinformation and lies, just like Russia, 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 and all of their other hoaxes and scams. What I said was that when there is, quote, massive and widespread fraud and deception, as has been irrefutably proven in the 2020 presidential election, steps must be immediately taken to right the wrong. 
wrong. Only fools would disagree with that and accept the stolen elections. Then he goes, MAGA. Like, just a madman lunatic. Like, in the statements, he talks, in the statement, it's gaslighting within the statement of gaslighting. And then he calls for the termination again in the statement. <laughs> that um, Steps need to be taken immediately to right the wrong after it's been irrefutably proven. It has been irrefutably proven. It's been ir- irrefutably proven that you are a lying madman. You brought 70 federal lawsuits, 70. You lost essentially every single one of them. And not just did you lose, but your lawyers have been sanctioned or disbarred or are facing proceedings to lose their legal license. When you were asked questions, you you refuse to actually tell the truth. Like Tish James, you plead the fifth. You know, there are emails showing that you submitted false declarations from your lawyers. All of your actual lawyers in the White House themselves, like Pat Cipollone and Patrick Philbin and Eric Hirschman, all say that you're a liar. <laughs> They'd probably vote for him again, though, too, right? He's a complete liar. He's a complete, everything he's done is fraudulent. He's trying to undermine our Constitution. Would you vote for him? Well, if he's a if he's a Republican, I don't care if what he does stands for everything we purportedly say we stand for as Republicans. As long as you call your call yourself a Republican, that that's the threshold at this point. As long as you call yourself a Republican. But Brett, here's the deeper issue: is that if at a threshold level, Republicans can't condemn terminating the Constitution. How could you have a conversation on literally any freaking issue with them? You, How do you have a normal conversation when it's like terminating the Constitution? If that's fair game to them, how do you have a conversation with them? Also, you can't have a debate with people who refuse to acknowledge any facts, even when it's the most basic facts. Like Trump in this statement said – they're actually trying the fake news is actually trying to convince the american people that i want to quote terminate the constitution well let me just pull up his statement which is in writing where he literally says allows for the termination of all rules even those found in the constitution like if you cannot acknowledge that that is exactly what he said and there's no other way to read it and there's no point of even discussing it with you or having that debate and i'll tell you right now and get mad at me if you want. If President Biden were to send out a tweet and say, I'm calling for the termination of the Constitution, I will say, so long, I'm out of here. I am no longer Brett, if Biden sent one tweet once. with a cue and once, <laughs> one time, and he had a cue above his head, okay? And it, tur- and it turned out that he did it, that it wasn't hacked. I'll give him, because he would never do that, I'll give him the benefit of like, okay, was he hacked? <laughs> if he wasn't hacked, I would not support anything he did right then and there. I would say he's out. I'm not supporting him in the 2024 election. That's it. But that's the standards that we should set, not just in the Democratic Party, but for any pro-democracy party, any pro-normal coalition, we have to set high standards for our highest office. How could you set the lowest standards? And like, no offense to like babies or three-year-olds, but like the standards for Trump are like a baby or like a three-year-old, but like a mad three-year-old, like a like a like, like a lunatic three-year-old too. And it's like offensive to lunatic three-year-olds. It's offensive to lunatic three-year-olds to say that. And that's who they want in the highest office. We need to have high standards. And the current Republican Party has the lowest of the low standards. And it's really sad because our country deserves better. 
At the end of the day, we deserve competent adult leaders who are talking about issues that matter to people. And then we could have intellectual debates. I mean, we could have the Obama versus Romney debate. You know, and I think Romney had to debase himself when he ran a little bit there. But at least you can have high level intellectual debates one way or the other. But we're talking about terminating the Constitution and that MAGA Republicans support that and they support um, Hunter Biden, they, they want to post so desperately, this is their issue, pictures of Hunter Biden's genitals. Like that's what, that, that's, that's what, what they're focused what, on. That's what this issue is about. Like, I think this, this issue gets in the weeds for a lot of people and people are like, what are they talking about? Like there's all these, this Twitter thread that's like 55 parts. What are they screaming about on Fox? I can't even wrap my mind around it because over the weekend, most people, most normal pro-democracy Americans who it could be independents and Republicans and Democrats. You know, they were watching the World Cup. They were hanging out with their families. They were going out to dinner, maybe cooking home, making some coffee, whatever it is. They were not watching concerning. The yeah, they were not concerning themselves with Hunter Biden's genitals, which is what this weird portion of this MAGA community was really upset about. I mean, they are trying to turn this into some weird First Amendment issue. It's not by any means. Basically, what ended up happening was there were requests sent to Twitter from uh, the Biden campaign and from the Trump White House, who was actually the government at the time, was the Trump White House. This is in October of 2020. And both parties said, you know what, Twitter, like, I'm flagging these for either. First of all, we don't know what what things the Trump White House flagged because Matt Taibbi and Elon Musk did not reveal what Trump flagged. But we do know what the Biden campaign flagged. And they said, Twitter, these four or five posts, we don't think these should be in your platform. Then Twitter has internal deliberations. They look at the posts. They see that literally all of the posts that they had flagged were non-consensual nude photos of Hunter Biden. That, those were all the photos. They were like dick pics of Hunter Biden and other nude photos of Hunter Biden. And so Twitter looked at its terms of service. They spoke with, about it internally and they decided, yes, revenge porn is not welcome on our platform. They deleted it. That's what Republicans are furious about right now. That's not a First Amendment issue. That's a company dealing with its own stuff. And I'll tell you, as somebody who's worked in a variety of companies, I'll tell you right now, every single company, every single large organization, every single athlete, celebrity, brand, you name it, they all have direct access to someone at Twitter in which they could speak to them about issues concerning the platforms. All big organizations have contacts at the various platforms where they could get expedited help with an issue. That's not really what is of concern here. And Twitter acted on its own volition. Once again, the Biden campaign was a private camp, was a private at that point. And it wouldn't have mattered if they were the government, like the Trump campaign, who was making similar requests. I don't know what they were taking down. Um, And they said, hey, there are these nude revenge porn photos on your platform. Can you take it down? That's what all this fuss is about. And what Republicans are so furious about is that in October of 2020, this was their big October surprise. This was going to be it. We're going to take down Biden with these salacious photos that we obtained through nefarious means. Who knows how it happened? It was Rudy Giuliani with Russians in Ukraine. I, who, who knows how this was all assembled and gathered, but it was clearly through nefarious means. And we're going to release this. And this is going to be our big bombshell in October. The big of bombshell is to attack Biden's drug addicted son. At the yeah. Time. Like, 
Biden's son who's in recovery, who's made a full-fledged recovery, let's attack what he did when he was a drug addict. He was not, uh, he didn't have top secret clearance like Jared Kushner. He didn't have a White House position like Ivanka. He wasn't out there speaking at uh, the uh, presidential events like all of Trump's kids were, where literally the whole event is just a series of Trump's kids like leading the party. You know, it was someone who was like drug addicted, who had lots of problems at the time. And it was like, let's pick on that person as the October. So just disgusting too. And then acting so holier than thou, like like, oh my God, like no, no Americans have someone in their family or that no Americans ever gone through issues of like drug addiction before and has been at really low moments in their life where they've been engaged. Like, let's mock the father who tried to help out. Let's try to get at the dad by going after the son. It's like so sickening too. During that time, it endeared me more to Biden when I heard stuff of him like calling hunter like him, yeah. and was saying like hunter I'm, I'm i'm here for you whatever i can do for you i love you so much and like again we talked about the rorschach test on the last one i view i, I just gotta correct you ben because everyone's been uh, real upset with your pronunciation here it's rorschach and we were just keep getting the comments so i have to stop you i know you know you say games of thrones and you mispronounce things from time to time but i can't handle the deluge of comments that we will get i did so. yeah, i did see a lot of comments i just went <laughs> you know pronunciation like is one of my weaknesses <laughs> i know i know and that's why i have to do i'm like i can't deal with the comments again oh my boy <laughs> Okay, so a so this was a Rorschach. The great work out there. Oh, that's great. Great work Rorschach. out there. A, a Rorschach <laughs> test that you listen to a father speaking to their drug addicted son and saying, I'm here for you. Whatever I can do for you, just let me know. Son, I love you. And you look at that and go, that's a loving father. Or on the MAGA Republican side, you look at that and then you go, ha, 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 look, you have a drug addicted son. Ha, 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 let's go after you for that. Like to me, a, roar, a perfect Rorschach test there as well. Great pronunciation. I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of you and great explanation as always. And the Thank weird you. thing is like I'll see like when we will do random posts online and things like a lot of these crazy MAGA right wingers will respond to the posts with those pictures of Hunter Biden. Like they have the pictures on their computer and they have a lot that are like photoshopped into like just really disgusting things as well. But, but they have the photo, like they all share the photos on their phones. They have them in their camera rolls. They like text them to each other all the time. It's just a weird thing for somebody to be so focused on the son of the president's naked body so much that you want to share these photos. And that is, you think it messed up the election because they took down a few posts of, I, I, I can't even, but the, and uh, by the way, you got uh, Kevin McCarthy going on Fox on Sunday saying that he wants the government to now go after Facebook and Google because of this. And note the irony that he's literally on Fox, an arm of the Republican party. Note also that Trump, the actual government at the time, uh, tried, you know, was literally doing the exact same thing. And also Fox and Sean Hannity literally worked as a crisis PR firm 
for Trump during the Trump presidency. Like here, like just pull up this, like these are just some of the text messages we have because the January 6th committee got it from their subpoenas. But this is Sean Hannity saying, this is to Mark Meadows. Guys, we have a clear path to land the plane in nine days. He can't mention the election ever again, ever. I did not have a good call with him today. And worse, I'm not sure what is left to do or say. And I don't feel like it's truly understood. Ideas? I mean, you know that there are literally thousands of messages like that that we don't have. Oh, my gosh. Every single week, every day, they'd be in communications. Could you imagine just what the, on a daily basis, what the Fox communications are between these hosts and between Republican politicians about how to handle their various crises, how to report on Republican issues, how to try to land a punch on the Democrats for something. I mean, Fox News is not a news station whatsoever, despite that being their name. Fox News is literally a propaganda arm of the Republican Party. They are there to bolster Republicans and they are there to put down Democrats and they coordinate, yes, directly with Republican politicians. And if you saw those emails, that would be an absolutely explosive bombshell. But we saw the text, like we we have the evidence already from January 6th. We have the text with Hannity and they don't hide it. You see like people like Hannity literally headlining Trump rallies and going to stump for Dr. Oz and things like that. You don't see Rachel Maddow doing that. You don't see other reporters doing that. That's a, exclusively a Fox thing. And so Kevin McCarthy goes on the Sunday show. Do we want to play the clip or do you think we- Yeah, get, play the clip just so people People see what a weirdo coward McCarthy is. What Elon Musk has been able to do, now we know why the White House wanted to fight so strongly against him owning Twitter. All he's done is put out the truth. Now we need to start looking at Facebook, at Google. These now have become arms of the Democratic Party, arms of the Biden administration, but they also used the intel community as well to lie to the American public. Should those people keep their clearances? Should those people still be allowed to have information? If they're going to be political individuals, then no, they should not. And this is just the the tip of the iceberg of what we need to investigate. Yeah. Going you know, he literally sounds like someone like in, a, in an insane asylum. He's like almost. a sicko. Like, are we going to go after the intel community next? We got to go after the intel community. And what is Google doing? And what is Facebook doing? Like even the way he says it is like, what are you talking yeah. about? Like, can we focus on jobs? Can we focus on the economy, please? Can we focus on healthcare and education, please? Can we focus? Can we focus on infrastructure? And Ben, it's because Republican, the party has one strategy. And what they want to do is they want to rile up all Americans and try to make them, or at least their base, and they want to make them as angry as possible. They don't have solutions, but they want to make everything a controversy. Everything is, woe is me, the sky is falling, and the evil Democrats are to blame. And Rick Scott, Senator Rick Scott, who is probably the worst GOP strategist on the planet, Senator from Florida, who whose big idea during the midterms was to write in a plan that he wanted to sunset Medicare and Social Security. Rick Scott, in his infinite wisdom today, uh, went on Fox News and he wanted to tell Americans, you got to get mad. We want you to get mad at this. Americans have got to get mad about what's going on in this country. You've got to be mad about about what the debt, the social media companies, the, I mean the IRS, I mean all these things. You've got to get you've got to start showing up and say, "This is my country. We got to take this country back." 
articulate a sentence. Like you just like literally, <laughs> Americans got to get mad about debt, oil drilling. And the IRS. Twitter. He's transgender to Biden. Like articulate a freaking sentence, you know, and to your point, Brett, Fox, which is their propaganda arm, just lets them go on and just delivers the easiest like softball in the world. So Lindsay, what do you want to say? And Lindsay speaks for five minutes and just gives a commercial, you know, for for a candidate. So, Rick, tell me how you feel. Well, I uh, think that's a great point you raise. All right, we'll be right back. Yeah, there we, these they always go. They're like, oh, you're so right. You're so right. Yeah, next then, we'll, on the next segment. <laughs> PR. It's, it's PR. You know who said it great? I don't know if we have this clip because it's from a long time ago, but I know we have some of these clips. Stored. It's of Bill Clinton's message about Republicans from the midterms, and I think he hits it spot on. Do we have that clip in our library? Yeah, I got it. Oh, the Republicans are pretty simple, actually. They're and pretty straightforward. They say, I want you to be very miserable. And I want you to be very angry. And I vote, I want you to vote for us, and we'll make it worse, but we'll blame them. Yeah, so true. Yeah, it's, it's exactly what they do over and over again. And of course, he has seen this for decades and decades. And it's one of the things that has not changed. Um, it's only escalated, if anything. Brett, we are waiting now for a jury verdict uh, based on the Manhattan District Attorney's uh, prosecution of the Trump organization. The trial's taken over a month. Lots of witnesses were called early on. There was a uh, COVID outbreak where one of the witnesses from the Trump organization started coughing on everyone, but pretty damaging testimony against the Trump organization. We'll see the outcome there. But as of the recording, we have no verdict yet. The jury sent a question asking about the elements of one of the offenses, but we'll keep you posted as we learn more. And upon a verdict, we'll do a breaking news on the Midas Touch Network. But the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg today announced he is hiring a former senior Justice Department official who has a history of taking on Donald Trump and his family businesses. This was the uh, number three highest ranking person at the Department of Justice. So the Associate Attorney General, his name is Matthew Colangelo. And before that, Colangelo served as a top prosecutor with the New York Attorney General's office. He was involved in the investigation that shut down Trump's phony charity and foundation in New York. And he was intimately involved in the investigation with New York Attorney General Letitia James, which led to the filing of the fraud lawsuit seeking at least $250 million based on Donald Trump and the Trump organization's fraudulent valuations of properties. That was filed in September. At that time, Colangelo was working at the Department of Justice, but he was the one who really put a lot of that information together. You know, we have an independent monitor, a former retired uh, federal judge, retired federal judge Barbara Jones, who has now been appointed after New York Attorney General Letish James got a a uh, preliminary injunction that was ordered by Judge Arthur Engeron, who found that Trump and the Trump organization and his adult children were engaged in ongoing 
criminal conduct. And so no doubt when you have a judge in New York like Arthur Engeron, by the way, Trump's response is to attack Arthur Engeron and like dox Arthur Engeron on his social media platform. But you have a finding by a judge that Trump is engaged in criminal conduct. It's a civil case that New York Attorney General Letitia James brought, because that's only her authority in this area is to bring civil cases. So we're talking about money damages and injunctions to stop Trump from engaging in further business, but it's not criminal what she's pursuing. But Colangelo was involved in preparing that. And so that has a kind of corollary of the criminal case, right? If you're engaged in fraudulent valuations and there's a civil case, often there could be a criminal case. Lots of people were very critical of Alvin Bragg for letting one of the grand juries there lapse. Um, and they said, well, maybe he's not going to prosecute Trump. But I think there's been revived energy now based on what New York Attorney General Letitia James has done um, and some of the other uh, prosecutions across the country. So now you have the DOJ appointing special counsel Jack Smith, like one of the best prosecutors, not just in the country, but probably the world. There's a photograph of Jack Smith. I just keep the photo handy. <laughs> who's been hard at work already. And now you have the Manhattan DA bringing in Matthew Colangelo, who goes from the number three at the DOJ to now being a senior counsel at the Manhattan DA to focus on this criminal investigation of Trump. So you literally have the two top prosecutors in the country or people who are among the top prosecutors now focused like a laser on Donald Trump. And I think that is really, really, really good news. Brett, from a non-legal perspective, I mean do you feel that do you feel it's shifting though like to me on the legal side i can follow what's going on and i try to give yeah. i don't hide my opinions but i try to give objective indicia that forms my opinions but i feel like aside from the objective data that there's just the feeling and a lot of people have told that to me it feels different yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and I think you could feel the walls closing in. And as you see Trump get crazier and say things like it's time to terminate the Constitution, I think that is um, indicative of his level of panic and how successfully these investigations are proceeding. The brag thing today was obviously much welcome news for me. I, too, you know, thought this was pretty much a dead case. I honestly don't even know what to think about Alvin Bragg at this point. He's been such a peculiar figure. He's been such an enigma. I've been very upset with the way he handled this case. I felt like he threw in the towel way too early as Letitia James was ramping up. It seemed like he was like, okay, I'm wiping my hands with this. I am done. He got rid of Pomerantz and done, which I thought was a really horrible, horrible move. Um, but now this breathes new life into it all. I'm curious to see where it's going to go. I remain very cautious in the way I feel about this because of Bragg's previous actions and, and rhetoric. And I need to see action in order to uh, kind of get behind him here. But this is action. And so I'm willing to see where it leads. This is a real serious guy who he brought on, Colangelo. I mean, his bona fides are no joke. So I'm incredibly curious to see where it leads. Um, and I await it with bated breath. But like I said, um, Bragg has not given me too much of a reason to trust him as a of late, but this is a positive development, certainly. And Brett, Judge Eileen Cannon ruled against Trump today. 
So that just goes to show you that she's been like ruling for him and everything. Here's the minute order today where she grants the defendant in this case is the Department of Justice because Donald Trump filed this frivolous motion for judicial oversight against the DOJ. And Judge Eileen Cannon was overruled last week on December 1st by the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, which ruled she had no jurisdiction. And so here, Judge Eileen Cannon is granting defendant the Department of Justice's motion for an extension of deadlines. The deadlines identified in the defendant's motion and the DOJ's motion are hereby extended. And here, Jack Smith and the DOJ said, look, we've got a number of deadlines that are still before you, like Trump filed this frivolous motion to try to unredact the remaining portions of the affidavit in connection with the search warrant that was executed on August 8th at Mar-a-Lago so he could like get the identities of the witnesses and the sources and methods. And he thought that Eileen Cannon was just going to like give that to him. And so Trump filed that motion before the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals had their oral argument, hoping that Judge Eileen Cannon would just like pull a fast one again for him. But now that Judge Eileen Cannon doesn't have jurisdiction, it takes seven days for a mandate to issue from the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. And a mandate issue means like literally the transmittal of the order from the Court of Appeals to the District Court. It is a seven-day statutory period within which someone like Trump can file an emergency application with the Supreme Court or ask for a rehearing. If he does that, he's going to lose. But here, the DOJ was saying, look, let's extend the deadlines because you're about to get kicked off the case, Cannon. The 11th Circuit says you, you shouldn't be on this case, so you shouldn't be making rulings on a case you shouldn't be a part of. So Trump, who always asks for extensions of times, delay, 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 objected to that and said, nope, we want Cannon to make the ruling on our motion to unseal the remaining portions of the affidavit, which just goes to show you what a bad faith actor he is. And she rejected his objection here, which is the right decision to make. But it really shows that finally, I think Cannon realizes I think she got the she message. Was, <laughs> she got the message that she's been completely humiliated. And we I got some funny. It. We got some funny comments worth reading about Cannon. Uh, Patrick Larsh said Cannon can't go down with that ship. I think she maybe already did, but now she's at the bottom of the ocean trying to cannonball. <laughs> oh, yeah, we got uh, Kella Hellas at Cannon fodder, and TD Soldier said this Cannon is out of ammo. And yeah, I think she's reached the end of the line here. And uh, good riddance to Judge Eileen Cannon. And I just want to ask one thing. Was it worth it? Was it? Well, we're looking back on this moment, Judge Eileen Cannon. Was it worth it to sell your soul for this man and to sell your entire reputation that you've worked your whole life for, for this? Was it? It's the strangest thing in the world to me. I can, I don't understand it. Like, I kind of understand it like, if you started working for Trump 10 years ago, and I still think he had a history then of being horrible. Okay. But then once you saw it in action, okay. But like, okay, let's just give everybody else a break who shouldn't really get breaks. Like people like Pat Cipollone and Patrick Philbin and Eric Hirschman, like, should they get a break? Were they truly team normal? Like they were there, like enabling this guy. That's a whole nother debate and conversation that we can have. But like right now, even. The guy led a coup. He's tweeting, terminate the Constitution. And yet you have people who will sacrifice their reputation. You know, it's like when you see a team losing 17 to nothing and you go, you know what? 
a million dollars on that team. I'm putting a million dollars on that team. You know, I'm putting all my life savings on this team. That's uh, it's almost seven. worse. It's like they're down <laughs> 17 to nothing. And the last 50 people who bet on them were struck by lightning or something, you know, like, like, like so something yeah. horrible happened to them yeah. <laughs> and you're going to be like, Oh yeah, it's not going to happen to me. He was, ne- he would never turn on me. Everything's going to be just okay here. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, exactly. It, it just, it, there's an expression in the law. Does something shock your conscience? It shocks my conscience. Absolutely shocks my conscience that that exists. Want to tell everyone to check out our Patreon. Well, we got a lot more show, just so you know. We so got a much lot show. more show. We're talking Rudy. So we talking Supreme there Court. right now. Hang in there right now, folks. First off, I want you to check out our Patreon. I want you to become a patron of the Midas Touch Network by going to patreon.com slash Midas Touch. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Midas Touch. By becoming a patron or a member, you will get access to exclusive content you can only get on patreon.com slash Midas Touch. But most importantly, we are not funded by any outside investors at all. So none of those millionaire and billionaire investors who fund the both sides media or the pro-fascist media, this is 100% crowdfunded, Brett. So we're 100% independent and 100% accountable to you and you alone. That is a new revolutionary model for the media. And I always get asked by you, what can you do to help? Well, if you can, no worries if you can. But if you can help grow this independent media platform, check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Go and head there now. And I do want to talk about some of our sponsors, Brett, because our sponsors support this show. And I appreciate if the Midas Mighty listening and watching supports our sponsors. And we don't take sponsors if we don't believe in these sponsors. And I'm so proud to talk about some of the sponsors that we have on the show today. And so one of our sponsors, you all know, I love it. It is Athletic Greens. And Athletic Greens, before I took Athletic Greens, Brett, here's what I would do. I would take all of these like pills and gummies and these vitamins. And like, it did not do any benefit for me at all. Then I discovered Athletic Greens and it's this green powder. I take the powder, I scoop it, I put it in a cup, I put some water in it, I shake it up and it is great. It has all the ingredients that you need. So like tons of people like me, you take some kind of multivitamin and it's important to choose one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. And for me, that's why Athletic Greens is the best. And it's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it's for you. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. And that's what I like it. It's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It costs you less than $3 a day. So you invest in your health and it's cheaper than the cold brew habit. And it tastes really, really good. The company was founded when its uh, creator experienced a ton of 
gut health issues, which I experienced as well, and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It cost him $100 a day um, versus Athletic Greens, which to me is less than $3 a day. And for you, it'll be less than $3 a day. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, we worked with Athletic Greens to give you a great deal. So Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Midas. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Midas to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And this podcast is also sponsored by BetterHelp. So proud that this show is sponsored by BetterHelp because sometimes with all the work and stress that comes along with what we are doing every day, all of us, the Midas Mighty community, Sometimes I wish life came with a user manual, but unfortunately it, it doesn't. So when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. And that's why I've turned to BetterHelp. And this involves therapists that are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills. And they make it really easy at BetterHelp. They've connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient and it's accessible anywhere. And it is 100% online. So as the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people, including me, with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online, plus it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. I haven't had to do that, but I know someone who used BetterHelp who just wasn't vibing with the first therapist that they got, and then boom, got someone that they love, and they've told me how great these sessions have been. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10%. We negotiated this deal for you of your first month at betterhelp.com slash Midas. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Midas. Betterhelp.com slash Midas. And also, Brett, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Hover. Hey, Midas Mighty. We're going to take a quick second to talk about Hover one of our sponsors. Have you ever thought about starting your own business, creating a brand? We have. Sharing your wealth of knowledge with the world? We have. Using your years of experience to create something for yourself? Hover wants to help you take the first step in getting your ideas off the ground. If you have a brand that you've always dreamt of building or a business you want to take online, the first step is finding your domain name. Hover makes this super simple with a clear and straightforward user experience, easy to use tools, and truly amazing support from friendly humans. If you ever need a hand, you can give them a call and an actual person will pick up the phone and answer whatever questions you have. 
It's never too late to step up to the plate and share what you have to offer. Getting online has helped thousands of people around the world reach new heights with their business. In addition to the classics like .com, you can get extensions like .shop, .tech, and .art with over 400 more to choose from. You'll be able to find the perfect domain name for your business, one that's memorable relevant and boosts your brand. You can buy a domain, set up custom email boxes, and point it to your website in just a few clicks. If you ever run into trouble, help is just a phone call or chat away. Secure, simple, and reliable. Hover is a trusted and popular choice amongst millions of people launching any kind of brand or business. If you don't need a website, Domain names can help you create more on-brand professional email address that customers and clients trust, which I like. Even if you don't need a website, they can do that for you. If you're ready to get your idea off the ground with the perfect domain name, head to hover.com slash Midas, H-O-V-E-R.com slash Midas, and enter promo code Midas, M-E-I-D-A-S, to get 10% off your first Hover purchase. There you have it. Three sponsors I like, I believe in, I love. I think they're great sponsors. Who I don't love, Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani, Brett. What I don't love also, Brett, is your mic being muted. Oh, look, look at Rudy that. Giuliani look at that. Well, we're back on. Rudy, Duty, Julie, Judy, <laughs> Giuliani. Oh, my gosh. The, the, it's endless with this guy, huh? And like you said, Ben, every time we see Rudy, and it's just like it gets weirder and weirder and weirder. You're just like, how could it get weirder than whatever was dripping down his face during that ceremony, uh, during that press conference he held with Jen Ellis and uh, Sidney Powell when he wanted to overturn the results of the election. Well, now he is reaping what he sowed during that process by making all of these challenges to the election haphazardly without any facts. And so, Ben, what was today's disciplinary hearing about? Wasn't Rudy already kind of suspended? Wasn't his bar license already suspended in D.C. or something? He's so very focused. He's very focused on D.C. It's suspended in D.C. and New York. <laughs> um, but he's like, he really wants to fight, even though like he, his license was inactive anyway in Washington, D.C., before all of this, <laughs> setting aside the suspension. So the fact that he is like so vociferously fighting this thing in Washington, D.C. is just so weird to begin with. And this is a bar disciplinary hearing. So this is like the group in D.C. that can discipline lawyers for engaging in misconduct. And they could focus on a lot of Giuliani misconduct, but they focused on a case he was sanctioned on in Pennsylvania um, because it's kind of clear cut. Like you filed a frivolous lawsuit um, that was totally absurd. You lied throughout this lawsuit. It's riddled with lies. Like you can't do that as, as a lawyer. So it's kind of an open and shut case, right? Like did you file this lawsuit? Is your name on this lawsuit? And it lasted hours and hours and hours today. And I turned it on for a little bit to watch it. And I got to be honest, I could have watched the, the, the <laughs> whole thing. Because Rudy Giuliani was asked the most basic questions like, did you draft the complaint in Pennsylvania? And his response would be, Ohio, Arizona, Florida, Tennessee, and they'd be like, Mr. Giuliani, what are you talking about? Like, can you answer the question here about did you file the lawsuit in Pennsylvania? Like, I understand that's what you're asking, but I need to present the context here. 
So let me explain to you, what do we mean by file? So I was involved in a lot of litigation, like Mr. Giuliani, can you please just answer the question? Did you draft the complaint in Pennsylvania? And Giuliani would go, I, I, what complaint are you talking about? H how many days are you talking about? We're not asking you about how many days, Mr. Giuliani. Did you draft the complaint ever in Pennsylvania? Yeah, I, I don't think so. Okay, pulling up your deposition transcript. Is this your deposition? Well, I don't, I don't know if it's a deposition. It looks like it's a piece of paper. Does this say the deposition of Rudy Giuliani? Well, that's what it purports to say, but it looks like a piece of paper. Okay, let's turn to page 24, where the question was asked, did you draft the complaint in Pennsylvania? Your answer, yes. Is that what you answered? I, I, I don't know if that's the deposition. Like That was basically what transpired for the whole day today, for hours and hours and hours. I will spare you from watching it. That was a bit of an exaggeration, but only a bit. Only it may have been worse, frankly. And then at the end of it, Giuliani accidentally was wearing two watches. He didn't realize that he put on two watches. It wasn't on purpose. And at the end, he was caught on a hot mic saying to his lawyer, do you know I have two watches? Uh, play the clip. So I'm at a good place to stop, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Okay. You know, Mr. I have two watches on. Mr. Leventhal, you have to something to say. <clears throat> I said we'll try to work on the microphone uh, during the lunch. Thank day. you. It's clown show. I, I, we got to make a list, like a list of like the top 10 people who have disgraced themselves in the least amount of time. I mean, Rudy might be number one on that list. It's hard to imagine somebody who has had more of a downfall in this country among the respect that most Americans have for a person than Rudy Giuliani. And then maybe like Alan Dershowitz. I don't know. We got, we got to make a list. There's a list of, you know, you, you know him when you see him. You're just like, what the heck is going on? On a bipartisan people? basis, we should have high standards for our leaders. At worst, we should have like aspire to have high standards for <laughs> our leaders. And to me, that's one of the messages I like to repeat over and over again here on the Midas Touch Network when I talk about the exhausted majority of Americans, when I talk about the pro-normal, pro-democracy coalition, when I say we at Midas Touch are pro-democracy first. Notice I'm not referencing a political party because I genuinely can tell you 100% if Democrats acted the way Republicans act now, I would not be a Democrat. I have no allegiance to the donkey logo. I have no allegiance to just the political party for the sake of of the fact that it just existed for a long time for the historical tradition. No. I am looking for which political party is actually doing things that's focused on the community, my family, this country, the world. I'm looking for adult leaders, okay? And and I'm looking for someone who supports democracy. There are thresholds that you have to get past for me too. The threshold is like, do you support 
our democracy? Do you support our constitution? And then when we get into issues, whether it's healthcare, education, whether it's infrastructure, jobs, treating workers with dignity, making sure the real freedoms of people, like a woman's freedom over her body, the freedom to marry who you want to marry. When we talk about issues like that, yes, my views will line up progressive and liberal when you break down you know, my views, but I am open to having, not on all of those, like you, I cannot have a debate with you if you're going to discriminate people or take away people's freedoms, period. But if we're talking about healthcare, if we're talking about education, I'll have a debate with you about the need for it. But if you're coming at me with the view that we should be a fascist government, that we should be a cult, if you're not going to be respectful in the conversation and the debate, if what your focus is on hurting Americans and causing harm to Americans, I, 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 you can't have a debate with that. You can't have a debate with that. And we need to, we talk about messaging though. What we need to talk about with people and what we need to pierce though is you talked about earlier Fox, Brett, because people are trapped in that echo chamber and believe that nothing is worse than a Democrat if you are watching Fox because that's how they portray it. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, what what are these views that are radical to you? To me, what's radical and extremist is when you engage in an insurrection. That's radical and extremist. Saying terminate the Constitution is radical and extremist. Telling terrorist groups like Oath Keepers and Proud Boys to stand back and stand by and supporting that, that is extremist. Supporting our Constitution, being against insurrection, wanting people to have health care, wanting people to have the best education they can have, wanting people to be paid with dignity, to work jobs with dignity. That's, there's, not, there's not a radical extremist ideology, and we need to be unapologetic in putting that message out there and not be on the defense as pro-democracy, pro-normal, exhausted majority. We got to say, this is what it is. The, the, the whole paradigm, conservative, liberal, we talk about this a lot on the podcast, it doesn't hold anymore. Stop calling these MAGA Republicans conservative. There is nothing conservative about pro-insurrection, terminate the constitution and be pro-pandemic. Stop. Just because they say it's conservative, we could at least have a critical lens and go, no, no, <laughs> that isn't, Brett. Yeah. And, you know, I think you could also talk about this through the lens that some of the horrific things that we saw over the weekend, something that there is no both sides to. But when you see these groups that have been supported by people like Donald Trump, when you see these groups who have been supported 
by the Republican Party, and I'm talking about groups like the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys launching attacks against the United States of America, we need to stand firm and all say that that is not okay, um, to say the least. And over the weekend, there were these right-wing terrorist groups that targeted and attacked drag shows, drag story times. This is the new thing to divide Americans in the right-wing media. You have Tucker Carlson talking about it ad nauseum. You have people like Ben Shapiro and Charlie Kirk, people like that. All they talk about is trans issues to try to drive a wedge in between Americans and to demonize the LGBTQ plus community. And so we saw this instance over the weekend in Ohio and North Carolina and Florida from groups like the Oath Keepers, uh, the Proud Boys, the Patriot Front. And for example, there was this drag music art show in Lakeland, Florida, and literally like these Nazis showed up to the event. And if you can't stand and say, this is not okay, as an American citizen, this is not okay for this to be happening in our country, for Nazis to actually be coming to these events to try to scare and terrorize people with Nazi flags, giving the Hail Hitler salute. That is not okay in the United States of America. We also saw the terrorists of the, I uh, believe they're called the Patriot Front, this group in Ohio. They were walking over there. Uh, they, I think this event actually had to be canceled because they were made aware weeks in advance of these threats. And they show up to these drag shows in full body armor like they're going to war. They have full body armor. They have military-grade weapons, helmets, often face coverings, although some of these people actually do not. And they show up at these events to terrorize people. And I, you know, that's why it's like, you know, some people say, oh, the right-wing militia, this militia, that. They're not, they're, they're domestic, they're terrorist groups. These are terrorist groups in the United States of America. And then in North Carolina, in Moore County, we still don't know for sure what happened here, but there was also a planned uh, drag story time hour happening there. And three substations were shot up, which cut power to nearly 40,000 people in the area. And like I said, it's unconfirmed at this point if it is 100% related or not. But what we can confirm is that the terrorist groups were celebrating when this happened and that they had threatened to attack because of these events going on in the town. There was this woman who hangs out with the Proud Boys who helped do things with the January 6th insurrection. Her name is Emily Grace Rainey. She was like a January 6th coordinator. And she wrote a statement on Facebook saying, quote, God works in mysterious ways after the power went out. She also did a post that said, the power is out in Moore County and I know why. I mean, that's why we need to be speaking out forcefully in support of marginalized communities, because like that poem, Ben, that was popularized after the Holocaust, first they came for this group, first they came for that group, then they came for me. You have to be speaking out against things like that, and you have to be able to do it clearly and put the blame where it is. In this case, these people have been enabled by the extremists in the Republican Party. They have been enabled by people like Donald Trump, and anybody who refuses to condemn them stands with them. And we need to call that out. And once again, that is a line that I will not bend on. I will not cross. There is no both sides. Oh, you have your opinion. I have my opinion. No, I'm going to take the super controversial stance of Nazis are bad and domestic terrorism is a bad thing. How about that? And the right wing can't condemn that. The right wing spends all the time going after the trans community, going after drag shows, going after LGBTQ plus communities. That's where they spend their time. And 
They spend their time trying to prevent people from living their lives as who they are. Like that's what the Republicans want to do with the government. How could we use the government to get involved in people's lives to cause harm to their lives because for a Republican, the happiness of a person or a community is something that causes the Republican to be angry and hate, to see other people live and be happy. And Brett, it's also being enabled by the right-wing Supreme Court. And we saw that today, earlier today, there was oral arguments before the Supreme Court in a case called 303 Creative versus Ellenus. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I'm now self-conscious about all my <laughs> pronunciation. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a pass on that one, and I, and I doubt anybody else knows. But just say it with confidence, and then just you know get to the. Can I tell you though um, what I'm dre- <laughs> what I'm dreading after you said that, and like what I've been like DL thinking about throughout the whole podcast. <laughs> um, so I'm a professor at USC Law School, and I'm teaching a class for undergrads. Uh, starting next semester. Um, And I'm going to get a list of all of the students' names. (laughs) And I need to workshop... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I need to workshop their names before I go in because oh, I've been thinking about, I'm going to get like 50 to 100 student names and I got to make sure I, I pronounce all of their names correctly. So after you connect, you correct me. You're, you're going to be like the key, and, the key and peel uh, sketch where he's like, hey, Aaron. No, it's Aaron. Hey, <laughs> Aaron. It's going to be you. It's USC. definitely something that's been on my mind during <laughs> this podcast, I must confess. But Oral arguments took place in the Supreme Court on Monday in that case, and it involves a Colorado company that makes websites for weddings, but it refuses to make websites for LGBTQ plus weddings. And they defend not doing it, discriminating against LGBTQ plus weddings on the grounds of their own free speech rights and their own free exercise rights under the First Amendment, their free exercise of their religion not being uh, inhibited by the government, that they don't believe that LGBTQ plus communities should have the same rights as others. And Colorado has an anti-discrimination law where if you are engaged in you know, kind of public commerce, you can't put on your store window, or in this case, your digital space. We refuse to do business with the LGBTQ plus community. Like we've evolved as a country to say discrimination against marginalized groups is bad. Um, But this group, this website group, which is all, they're all proxies for right-wing federalist society, Republican. Yeah, they're astroturf things. Because I want to be clear about this too up front. The the thing from my non-legal perspective looking into this that I was like, huh, what are you even talking about? Is there was no actual like case to be made. Like it was all based on a hypothetical situation that this case went to the Supreme Court. Like there, and by that, I mean, there was not a same-sex couple who went to this person and was denied to make their website for them. That did not happen. This is just all hypothetical. This is the business owner on behalf of whatever groups are enabling her 
astroturfing this case in order to get a decision made from the Supreme Court to set precedent so that there could be discrimination against these communities. And the business owner says that their injury is that they want to desperately post on their website, no LGBTQ plus welcome here. That's what they want to post on their website. And because Colorado is telling them you can't post on your website, no LGBTQ plus is welcome here. They're claiming that that is an injury to them that they need to take to the United States Supreme Court. And without going on a tangent here, you think about the arguments that were made to block Biden's student debt cancellation program, right? And that's an argument by these AstroTurf students in, in, in the Texas case, where one of the students says, I received $10,000 loan forgiveness under Biden's plan, but Pell Grant recipients get $20,000. I want the $20,000. And because you're not giving me the 20,000, 40 million Americans are going to get screwed because of that. And there, a Texas Trump appointee judge, Federalist Society member, Judge Pittman, says that's an injury. Well, if that's an injury, then other people getting PPP loans is an injury. Or when billionaires get bailed out, that's an injury. Or when people get any type of benefit from the government that I don't get, I could claim that I'm injured because I didn't get that benefit. And of course, the Federalist Society Republicans would not rule that way in those cases. They would find no standing. But here, they contort the law because you know what, Brett? Trump said the silent part out loud, terminate the Constitution, right? Because none of these people, none of these mega Republicans are actually following the Constitution, right? They view the Constitution the same way they'd kind of view the flag. They don't care that the flag represents our democracy. It's just a symbol that they could go around and pursue their agenda, which is anti-American or anti-democracy uh, here. But Brett, the arguments in this 303 creative verse Ellenis uh, case, and again, I'm sorry if I mispronounced it, though, were they shouldn't be. They're not shocking anymore. But to hear like someone like Justice Alito give hypotheticals about, well, what if a black Santa refuses to let a child who's dressed like a Ku Klux Klan uh, participant, what if the, the black Santa refuses to let the Ku Klux Klan sit on their lap. Wouldn't that be discriminating against the Ku Klux Klan? Now, this is someone who's on the Supreme Court who is making a comparison between the LGBTQ plus community and the Ku Klux Klan and a black Santa not allowing a Ku Klux Klan attired individual to sit on his lap. I mean, one, it is a complete non sequitur. There's so many logical fallacies built in, but it is it is a hateful thought to think that is what that is the thought that goes through your mind as a Supreme Court. Out of everything we're discussing, you're thinking, what if Black Santa refuses Ku Klux Klan kid to sit on your lap? Like, are you kidding me here? Play the play the audio of Alito saying this. Oh, yes. There's a, a black Santa at the other end of the mall, and he doesn't want uh, to have his picture taken with a, a child who's dressed up in a Ku Klux Klan uh, outfit. That, that black Santa has to do that? No, because Ku Klux Klan outfits are not protected characteristics under public accommodation laws. 
And presumably that would be the same Ku Klux Klan outfit, regardless whether the child was black or white or any other characteristic. Yeah, you, do see, you do see a lot of black children in Ku Klux Klan the, outfits, right, uh, all, the, the, all the time. Suppose that, uh, I, I mean... Uh, <laughs> and his laughing, he thinks it's funny. We're talking about a case where an LGBTQ population could be discriminated against in mass if the right-wing court rules the way it sounds like they're going to rule. And they're just joking about kids wearing Ku Klux Klan outfits and black Santas, you know, letting kids in Ku Klux Klan outfits sit on their lap. It's like they are so detached. It doesn't shock you that this is the group of people who took away a woman's right to choose. It's Alito wrote that opinion. He's thinking about black Santas not allowing Ku Klux Klan. He's he's looking to protect the Ku Klux Klan outfit kid to sit on black Santa's lap. That's what he's thinking in his mind. So does it shock you that in the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade, he cited like a 16th or 15th century like uh, like British duke or something that believed that like women were subhuman and that they were involved in witchcraft like that's who he's citing in these opinions that are forming modern precedent of law and and then it doesn't get much better with neil gorsick another uh, supreme court justice appointed by uh trump and they're talking about one of the cases that preceded this. Remember the case in Colorado, Brett, that involved uh, the cake maker who wanted yeah. the masterpiece cake shop and they didn't want to make a cake for um, an LGBTQ wedding there? That was decided on much narrower grounds. The business was permitted to um, to not to, to the, the business won that case against the challenge um, that was being brought by the state there, but it was on narrower grounds that the state didn't have like a religious neutral policy. So it isn't like complete precedent here, but I want to give you that setup because that is what is being discussed here by Neil Gorsuch, uh, Supreme Court Justice, when talking about how the state of Colorado. Um, required that the uh, shop owner who made the cakes and refused the LGBTQ plus community would just review anti-discrimination laws, just a very basic anti-discrimination law saying don't discriminate against the LGBTQ plus community. Gorsuch says that like you sent, and you, the state of Colorado, sent the businesses to re-education camps. Play the clip. Mr. Phillips did go through a re-education training program pursuant to Colorado law, did he not, Mr. Olson? He went through a, a process that ensured he was familiar it with... It was a re-education program, right? It was not a re-education program. What do you call it? It was a process to make sure he was familiar with Colorado law. Someone might be excused for calling that a re-education I strongly program. disagree, Justice Gorsuch. Thank you. And good for now, what you think about? By the way, shout out to the Colorado Solicitor General who did an incredible job there as Gorsuch was trying to bully him there. It's a re-education program, a re-education program. I mean, they're trying to act like teaching people about or the laws of like, you know how like in businesses you're required to put up like a pamphlet, like this is what the required wages, this is overtime rates, meal breaks, and, and don't discriminate against people. We have anti-discrimination laws in the state. 
So didn't you make them train in a re-education program just like what exists in China and in other countries? They don't go Russia because they support Russia's re-education. They came out for, the Republicans came out for the re-education LGBTQ plus uh, programs in Russia today that was actually yeah. banning LGBTQ plus communities. And like that was a big thing that, that uh, I could do. We could do a whole nother show on that. But could you believe that that's what, Gorsuch said, like, I can believe it because that's can who I believe they are. It? Yes, I, I can absolutely believe it. And and the way he says it too, like the way he says it with his voice, going back to like Kevin McCarthy in the beginning of the show, there's like a, a weird twisted sickness behind the way they say something where they know what they're saying is wrong. They know what they're saying is inflammatory, but they want to like punish you as they're saying it. It's just a really bizarre kind of thing that you pick up on, especially if you're just listening to the words, it's extra creepy, extra eerie. And and they use that inflammatory language to try to co-opt it to pursue these really despicable and dastardly ends. Because if you look at what they are doing, the Supreme Court, they are dismantling the rights that people have. They are dismantling foundational constitutional jurisprudence. They have dismantled a woman's right to choose. They have and are dismantling the separation of church and state. They are dismantling critical legislation like the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act, right? Like they are tearing it apart so that people's freedoms are taken away. And you may say, okay, well, this case involves a wedding. Why do they all involve weddings or cakes? It's extra insidious because these cases are crafted by Federalist Society groups. So what you try to do if you're a Federalist Society member is find a really sympathetic or you find a case that is like – appealing to the public like oh it's just a wedding and come on like we just we just involves a wedding it's a small here, business or, owner they just want to run their business the way they want to run their business just a small business like, owner in the case involving the separation of the church and state what the federalist society did was they highlighted a coach and it was very sympathetic it was like a football coach who like after the football games would like take a knee with the players, you know, and pray with the players for their success in the game, right? And that's how they erode the separation of church and state because they say the coach should be able to pray with the kids. And a lot of people go, you know what? I think the coach should be able to pray with the kids. Look, it's football. It's a violent sport. It's not being done in anybody's face. And like you could rally behind that. They want you to do that because once you go there – they've now have precedent on all the other stuff for their circuit court judges and their district court judges to cite the sympathetic case as the way to block the rights in the other cases. So these cases right now to erode LGBTQ plus rights, to allow people to discriminate against them, you take a sympathetic case involving weddings involving, you know, a small business owner. And then people go, okay, well, it's just a wedding cake. It's just a website. No, it's more insidious than that. Once they get you there, then all their other judges, their Federalist Society judges, find all these state laws 
that have anti-discrimination provisions unconstitutional under federal law, citing this case. This case now is cited as the you're violating the free speech right of the business to discriminate. You're violating their free exercise clause rights under the First Amendment. I think that's rarely discussed, and it's important that I shared that with you here. Brett, let's talk about some good news. I mean, the good news is, is that I think Senator Warnock has run a very good campaign. Like, yes. He's run an impeccable, impeccable uh, campaign for this runoff elections, don't you think? Yeah. What about Warnock, though? I mean, he hasn't run a – no, what am I talking about? Warnock ran the – I mean, Walker ran the worst campaign in history. Herschel Walker's campaign – is just just when you think it couldn't go lower, it just seems to go lower every single day. And I truly hope that tomorrow is the last time we have to see Herschel Walker mix with politics. Do you we have, have the highlights or the lowlights of like because with Saturday Night Live did such a great thing where like Walker they put Walker in like a room where they like lock him up because they don't want him going out because everything he says is so horrible. And then he sees the reflection of himself. He goes, "I'm already in the room," and. The things that he says are not far off from that. I mean, like, what did he say in the last 48 hours? Well, let's just make a quick comparison. You have Senator Warnock out there, and he's finishing the campaign, has really refined his message. He's got a record. He's emphasizing community over chaos. He's emphasizing freedom and voting rights and strengthening the working class and, you know, issues that people actually care about when they're at dinner and speaking with their families and trying to figure out where they're going to get their next paycheck from. And then you have Herschel Walker talking about vampires and werewolves and pronouns, just really appealing to the most extremist fringes of the Republican Party, like trying to get on Tucker Carlson's show, I guess, but just being so just like almost overdoing it and doing it in such like a stupid way that like no one wants to even associate with him. So you have the only people who have kind of surrounded themselves around Herschel Walker during this campaign have really been people like Lindsey Graham, who once again, he's like Kevin McCarthy and the other people we spoke about, who's just gone totally off the deep end. What the hell is going on with Lindsey Graham when you see him speak in, in any of these clips? You have Ted Cruz, but what you don't have is you don't have any of the more leader kind of figures of the Republican Party have in his back. Trump finally tonight, I think, is doing some sort of tele-rally where he's going to say a few words over a Zoom call or a phone. That was the most they were able to get out of him. He would not come anywhere near Georgia, who has rejected him outright numerous times. You had Ron DeSantis, who wasn't going to insert himself in this race at all. And then you have even like as early, as, as recent as yeah, this is either today or yesterday. Like I said, you have Herschel Walker. His closing message to voters is, I don't even know what a pronoun is. What's a pronoun? I don't know what a pronoun is. Let's watch the clip. I told you early on that they said there was peace through strength and I was strengthened our great military. But now they're bringing pronouns into our military. They're bringing wokeness into our military. I don't even know what the heck is a pronoun. I can tell you that and I'm sick and tired of this pronoun stuff. What I want our military men and women to do is to be at war. Okay, so that's wrong. <laughs> It's so off base for so many reasons. First, if you don't know what a pronoun is, you probably 
don't belong in the United States Senate. Let's start there. Also, he wants our soldiers to be at war fighting. Shouldn't we strive to be at peace? I don't even understand that. They have this vision of our of like our military, you know, when they remember when like that video of the Russian military and it had the music and it was like, they're tough guys and this and that. And you had Ted Cruz being like, imagine if we had this instead of our woke emasculated military. It's like, dude, that, that military is now getting their ass handed to them. And you are seeing that that is all a facade and that is all you care about. All you care about is appearances. Now, the next thing Herschel Walker talks about, I, I don't even know how this comes up in a campaign for the United States Senate. Walker went on some tangent where he said he feels like a dirty old man watching children's television shows. Uh, he rented the net the, na- the neighbor's kid to go see the Jungle Book so he wouldn't, quote, look like a weird guy. I mean, I'm stumbling over the words because I like, don't even know what he's talking about, but let's play the clip too. And I just thank you guys. One last story. You know, Y'all have kids. Everybody have kids, I hope. You have kids that they love to watch all the these shows story. and you have to sit down and watch story, them with everybody. them and stuff. And sooner or later, you get when you like the shows, but they don't like them no more. And now you have to watch them by yourself and you feel like a dirty old man. Like I had to rent the neighbor's kid to go see Jungle Book like a year ago because my son didn't want to go with me to see Jungle Book and I don't want to look like a is that a relatable story? Like, he's like, you know, you know, when when you want to go see Jungle Book and you feel like a creepy old man, so you got to rent the kid. To, is that a, like, that's a relatable story that people do? I, I want to close my campaign with this one important <laughs> message, ladies and gentlemen. You know that feeling when you really want to watch Ghostbusters and then you yeah. see Slimer and it makes you feel a little uncomfortable that you're watching uh, Slimer. And what I'm trying to say here is that I'm trying, what I'm trying to actually say, and everybody can relate to the feeling when we're trying to. Yeah, we're all on the same page here, right? We're, we're all on the, the same, same page. page. And, and, and in Ghostbusters 2, when they, they didn't do the Marshmallow Man and it was like the Igor character, we, we, <laughs> you watch that with your children and you feel like you're really weird. And the werewolves, uh, there was no werewolves in the show. Like, I mean, that's literally what we're, what we should have called this episode is we need high standards or we need standards. We need standards, Just standards. period. Just like, <laughs> I, I, I will take floor level standards because Herschel Walker does not even pass that bar, Ben, because in a recent interview released this week by Politico, Herschel Walker seemed to not even know that he was running for the United States Senate. I'm not making it up here. It appears that he thinks he's running for the House of Representatives because in this statement, when he was asked about, you know, there seems to be a lack of enthusiasm of voters for you. And there are pictures coming out right now as we're doing this show also, where there's like a Herschel Walker event and there are like seven people there, like no one's showing up. And this is a quote from Herschel Walker. He said, they're not less motivated because they know right now that the House will be even. He's not running for house. So they don't want to understand what is happening right now. You get the house, you get the committees. He's not running for house. Once again, you get all the committees, even they just stall things within there. So if we keep a check on Joe Biden, we just go in to keep a check on him. I don't even know how to interpret it. You know, it's like with a lot of the MAGA people when they're writing things and, and commenting on things and you look at what they're saying, it's like they are English words. 
But the way they are jumbled together, I truly don't even know what they mean. But all I was able to take out of that statement is that Herschel Walker may not even know what he's running for in Georgia. But, you know, we've got a lot of operations right now on the ground in Georgia that we're super proud of at the political action arm of Midas Touch. Uh, We got this, we got two trucks going around the entire state, haven't been going around the Row Your Vote Tour. I'm super proud of these. And the response that we have been getting from the truck as it drives by crowds has been absolutely incredible. We are highlighting messages that freedom is on the ballot, row your vote, reelect, Senator Warnock. I absolutely love this. We had people knocking on doors to get out the vote. We put in, I think it was around $70,000 to get doors knocked on in this final week. So important. It's really a get out the vote effort right now. And then you have, you know, you see the quotes and stuff from people like the Georgia uh, Lieutenant Governor, uh, Jeff Duncan, who said Herschel Walker will probably go down. This is a direct quote from the Republican Lieutenant Governor of Georgia. Herschel Walker will probably go down as one of the worst Republican candidates in our party's history. So you see the enthusiasm from our tour. You see the enthusiasm when you see Obama out there and when you see Raphael Warnock giving his speeches, the excitement, and you see how the messages that they are saying are about people's social security and Medicare and and how they're going to get jobs and how they're going to succeed and and how they're going to get voting rights and freedom. And then you see Herschel Walker talking about that he feels like a creep watching kids movies by himself. And you kind of stack the two up and you go, okay, who do I want to represent me? I'm expecting a good result tomorrow for Raphael Warnock. We all got to keep pushing. It's also, you know, it's one of these things. It's going to be a rainy day in Georgia tomorrow, which often help, which often depresses the turnout in cities if it's a rainy day. And once again, Republicans have relied on this same day vote because they have so muddied the waters about the importance of early voting, while Democrats have embraced early voting and its importance and understand that it's a super convenient way to vote. So we already have Democrats out there showing up in record numbers to go to the polls. And Republicans are going to have to make up a large deficit tomorrow if they're going to want to have a shot. So we will let you know. We will definitely be reporting on what happens tomorrow. Hopefully by around this time, uh, Tuesday night, we will be able to have an understanding of who won that race. And hopefully it is Senator Raphael Warnock, somebody who's actually fighting for the people and not debating if he wants to be a vampire or a werewolf. You know, Herschel Walker, though, is a perfect representation of who the MAGA Republican Party is today. Contrary to what Duncan says and others say, this is not an aberration, right? This is the type of candidate they want to put forward to make decisions for the American people. And like Obama said, you know, I talked about vampires and and werewolves. And I think there's a lot of interesting discussions that you could have about that when you are seven. (laughs) But when you are running for these serious political offices where people's lives are on the line, we have to have standards and we should have high standards about people who are our leaders. And it's one of the things I've always said here at the Midas Dutch Network that the most important day I thought where we need to work the hardest is the day after the midterm elections. And and, and not just because votes are still being counted and all of that. But what what I meant by that is that 
as soon as the 2020 elections were over, Brett, literally the next day, we got back to work and worked harder than ever for our democracy. And what's critical here is I think there is a fundamental realignment and paradigm shift in politics. And we shouldn't be passive players in that. We need to be active players in uniting the pro-democracy coalition together of former Republicans who don't have a home, independents, people who are not affiliated with political parties, Democrats, progressives, a group of people who love our democracy where we could debate issues and have adult conversations, but fundamentally as a threshold level, believe in our democracy and believe in trying to make government work for the people. You know, I, I was thinking about this analogy and it may be a silly one, but I, I want to share it. Like when you have an iPhone or any type of phone, you want it to work. <laughs> right you wanted to yeah. ideally <laughs> you wanted to ideally do things that are efficient like when i take my iphone or whatever phone that you have and you put it to your ear you don't want it to like stick out a needle and stab you in the head right that would be bad you would go wait a minute the the phone just stabbed me <laughs> that that is bad or you don't want the phone to like squirt water in your eyes and like <laughs> cause you pain, right? You want it to work. So but the, the analogy, Brett, is that the way Republicans want to use our government is actually to hurt the people. Like government should have a purpose to help the people. It should function at a level of efficiency. And we can have argument, it's more efficient here, it's less efficient here, and here's how we engage in that. But inevitably, it should not be a tool for harm. It should not be a tool that hurts people and makes people's lives worse or that only works for the 1% of the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. Or how do we get those people more yachts, five yachts, 10 planes? They need to make... 150,000 times what an average worker makes. That is what we need to fundamentally realign the value set and just say, I understand that you were, that once upon a time, the Republican Party may have believed in this. Yeah. But just because this person calls themselves a Republican doesn't mean that the views are the same as what they used yeah, to be. It's so we ridiculous. Need to call that out. But one other thing I just want to mention: too, gas prices are falling fast, so it's just good news. I've even seen it here. In, I've even seen it here in California, right? Have you seen it too? Like, I, it's it's actually in like the four dollars here, which is like unheard of for California. I actually haven't seen it there a while, but yeah, the average price now is down to three dollars and forty cents across the country. That was over five dollars in June, so they're coming down pretty rapidly. The most common price in America is around two dollars and ninety nine sense. And now the news is, you know, the experts are like, I wonder how low it's going to go, how, how quickly things change once an election happens. And that is not an issue. Very, very curious. And, you know, what I love about, you know, what this administration is doing is they'll often tackle like the quote unquote boring things of government, but it's the stuff, Ben, that you were saying, like, 
It's the stuff that actually helps people out. Like while you have Donald Trump and Republicans talking about terminating the Constitution and wanting to investigate and terrorize companies like Facebook and Twitter because they wouldn't let them post Hunter Biden's dick pics and you have Rick Scott going, oh, we need to make everybody angry. You should be angry. Everybody needs to be angry. Yeah, I got President Biden out there. You got Democrats going like, okay, well, how could we help ease people's junk fees that they're paying at airlines? How could we actually help them with costs? How could we help propel this green energy revolution? How could maybe we could build over 500,000 electric vehicle charging stations across (laughs) the country? How about that? Let's get to work and build electric vehicle charging stations across the country so that if you get an electric car, and this will also motivate the, the the big automakers to make more electric cars, you'll be able to go no matter where you want. And the same way you can find a gas station wherever you go, you could find an electric vehicle charging station. So that's something that is in the works right now. And we spoke about the jobs report, which showed stronger than uh, expected jobs, 263,000 jobs added. And as we look around the world, I think even right now, in spite of all the chaos, I think there are also a lot of positive indicators. Here in America, obviously, President Biden winning the presidency, I thought that was very important to rebuke Trump in that way. In the midterms, I think we shocked the world. I think we, maybe not if you were listening to the Midas Touch podcast and following the data experts, but I think for the most part, we shocked the world with the Democratic overperformance and how horribly Republicans did in what should have been an easy win for them. You see Ukraine winning that war pushing back Russia, pushing back Putin from that territory. You see Putin just flailing and failing. His health seems to be declining incredibly fast. You see Donald Trump, for all of his bluster, he is clearly deteriorating quickly. Bolsonaro lost in Brazil. So I think democracy lives to see another day. And I think there are good signs for democracy. But there are still those anti-democratic voices out there. And they are loud and they could wield that small minority that they have in horrible ways. So it's up to us all to stay vigilant, to keep spreading the truth as to what's actually happening and to keep just fighting for normalcy out there. Like Ben said earlier, like there's nothing radical about anything that we propose. And the amount of people who are on the right in the MAGA world want to comment and say, oh, the radical lefties, radical woke, call me this, call me that. Radical because I don't want to terminate the constitution. Who's the radical one in this scenario? Okay. Let's try to get back to normalcy. Let's try to get to a place where we could have multiple parties exchanging ideas, trying to figure out not how to get Hunter Biden's dick pics on Twitter, but how to actually come together to pass policy that's going to help the American people when we need it most. Just imagine if these Republicans, just imagine if they were able to put even 2% of the energy that they put into all this bullshit into helping Americans. Just imagine they are holding us back in such a huge way. But that's why this pro-democracy coalition is so strong. That's why I've been fighting so hard to get that 51st seat in Georgia for the US Senate. And I am so thrilled to be doing it. Everything is important here. We need to keep fighting. Ben, any other words? Couldn't agree with you more, Brett. And that's why everybody, if you can, if you can, check out patreon.com slash Midas Touch. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch. We are not funded at Midas Touch by any outside investors at all. It is a whole kind of revolutionary model 
of the media where we are 100% accountable to you and 100% independent. And we are not just competing with the large media networks. We are, in many instances, getting more engagement and more views and more people sharing this content here, which is so critical for pro-democracy content. So I always get asked by you, what can you do or how can you help grow this independent media platform? I know you subscribe to a lot of things, so no worries if you can't do it. Do not feel pressured in any way. But if you can, when you go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch, you'll discover that at the various membership levels, we have incredible exclusive content that you could only get at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. But most importantly, you could grow this independent media platform, which I think is just so important right now because we don't have any of those outside investors. So check out patreon.com slash Midas Touch, and it goes a very long way if you could join one of those memberships. And let's grow this community together. Hey, for real, we love you, Midas Mighty. We appreciate you so much. I, I can't stress enough just how motivated I am every day knowing that we have your support, working hard for you. That's what keeps us motivated throughout the day. Thanks for watching. Looking forward to Jordy coming back and joining us. And of course, I'll say what Jordy says to close out the shows. Shout out to the Midas Mighty. At Midas Touch, we are unapologetically pro-democracy and we demand justice and accountability. That's why we're spreading our message to Convict 45. That's right, gear up right now with your Convict 45 tees and pins at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com.